Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. We're just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and we're talking about Magic the Gathering. In particular, the online client MTG Arena. And even more in particular, Alchemy and the metagame challenge that was this weekend. So we're going to talk a bit about the uh, constructed metagame as well as, uh, you know, we had some Alchemy Limited. So we'll get into that. But first, each week we both bring a beer. We drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. Except for this week, they're both beers that I brought. And I am torturing Jeff into having to drink these things that I have brought. Um, but Jeff, what? which one are you bringing? <laughs> what, what's on tap right. for you? You tell us about this beer. All right, I'm repping, uh, repping this one, I guess. <laughs> so this one is uh, Tarta de Queso which I'm pretty sure is like a, I don't know if this is ex- actually how they would say cheesecake in Spanish. It sounds like it might be one of those like direct English Google translate kind of things. Uh, Cause I'm pretty sure that's like cake of cheese. Um, but maybe that's actually how you, what you call a cheesecake in Spanish. It's from barbarian brewing and it's a dessert Berliner Weiss with raspberry cheesecake, vanilla and lactose. And it, a collaboration with Baskland Brewing, and this thing is eight and a half percent. Yep. <laughs> Oops. Um, we got some more heavy beers this week. Uh, we just, you know, we, we like them. We like them big. We like them chunky here. Um, anyway, this brewery, Barbarian, is one that I went to when I was in Idaho last week, so that's where I was, seeing my family. And um, it was my... Not my first or second choice, but maybe my third choice of breweries that I went to. And um, I ended up liking their stuff. So I'm excited to see what Jeff thinks of this beer in particular. But of course, I have to choose the, the Why is it always ones. pink, man? Every, every beer you give me is pink. Um, <laughs> I do appreciate that this, right on the can, I guess it's their motto. Old world style, new world flavor. Mm-hmm. Which I like that idea. I think that's great. I don't know if a dessert Berliner Weiss really matches the uh, old world style category <laughs> that they're claiming that they have. Um, but in principle, I like that idea. Yeah, th- it's a nice idea. But um, anyway, I'm just really excited to see what you're, uh, what you're thinking about these. But um, anyway, let's get into some magic news. Last week, we had a BNR announcement, banned and restricted announcement. It was... Um, Winota Joiner of Forces is now banned in Pioneer, which means it's going to be banned at Explorer forever. So anyone who was hoping that it would come back, me, um, is sad that it's just never coming <laughs> back. So uh, that whole thing they were talking about earlier where it's going to it's soft ban and then it will be unbanned with uh, Dominary United. Nope, just banned forever. As well as Expressive Iteration is banned in Pioneer and Explorer. About time. Yeah, fuck that card. Yeah. <laughs> what were they thinking, you know? Two mana, two mana draw, look at three, draw two. It's just too good. It's just too good. Yeah, I mean, that whole Winota dance was a little strange, though. Like, why did they even bother to do the whole, oh, well, she'll come back, you know, later. We just don't have enough cards for her now. JK, she's banned. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, again, think that it's just there are different groups at Wizards, and there's, like, the Explorer people, and then Pioneer is a different group of people. And so the Explorer people were like, nah, it's too much for us, but we'll try later. And then Pioneer was like, oh, no, we're just going to ban it. They're like, oh, oh, okay, well, all right. (laughs) 
Feels like a real simple, like, inner office memo, though. Like, hey, we think Winota's too good for Explorer. What are the Pioneer guys thinking? And they could be like, yes, we're also considering banning it. And they're like, cool, we could get our stories straight on this and just do it at the same time. Yeah, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of stuff like that that could, um, you know, it, it's not <laughs> the first time. So, But anyways, I think it's a good change. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed playing against Winota decks, but I know a lot of people really didn't, so... Uh, maybe some other aggro decks can exist. And then, you know, expressive iteration is just too good, and it's nice to see it gone. That being said, this Saturday and Sunday, if you want to test out this brand new format, you can play in the Qualifier Weekend. So that will be Explorer. And as always, there's a best-of-three play-in event right before. So that makes it Friday, June 17th is the play-in event. If you do well enough at that, you get to qualify for the qualifier weekend which is 18th 19th it's one of these two days events they're super fun if you uh manage to qualify and you know if you want to play some explorer i definitely recommend you know trying your hand at uh, at the friday qualifier 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 the, the qualifier for the qualifier um also we had alchemy draft i had mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of this episode but there was a like uh, the new Alchemy set had come out, and uh, for the weekend, for like three or four days, they were having a special Alchemy draft event, and then they decided to extend it for over a week. Now, I was always, I'm just wondering whether this was because so many people liked it that they wanted to be able to extend it so they could have even more fun, or they were like, oh, no, nobody's playing it, let's just extend it to see if we can get some more money off of it through that. Um... I'm going to decide that it was the first one because it actually yeah. was fun. I played it um, quite a few times, and uh, I think uh, uh, I think it was a it was a nice decision to to have that and be like, oh, this is this seems like a fun way to to collect some new cards. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But uh, yeah, I saw some people playing it, so it could it could easily be the first one. Anyway. Let's talk about some constructed and the metagame challenge because I believe we both played in it, uh, trying to, you know, farm some gold and some packs. Um, that's another great way to get alchemy cards. Just more easy ways to to get cards. I I, I like it. I I'm really all all for that. Yeah. So the um, these events are always great. Now I don't want to lie to our listeners, Zach. So I do have to come clean here. Um, I. I played in this event by accident, so I joined the event thinking it was an Explorer event. Um, but, you know, after they take your money, they ask you to select a deck, and I wasn't allowed to select the decks that I was hoping to play, and that's when I clued in that it is an alchemy format <laughs> and not Explorer. But, of course, they I had already paid, so uh, now I had to put together an alchemy deck and play in the event, um, so, you know, it, it was an accident, but I'm glad I did it because it was super fun. If I had known, I might have done it anyways, just because the metagame challenges are fun events and they are actually decent EV. Uh, that's expected value. But I was hoping to, you know, play some Explorer because we had just come off our last episode was talking all about Explorer, which you guys should check out if you plan on playing some Explorer this weekend. Uh, despite the bans, the format, I think everything we talked about last time is still pretty applicable. Just about, yeah. But I had like a, a pretty negative image of alchemy in my head. And after playing in this event, I think I've, I don't th feel that way anymore. 
Um, I think the format with the recent additions just got a lot, a lot better, a lot more fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, um, things that we had complained about before was black is way too powerful. Um, yeah, the, the, some of these discard cards like Undercity Plunder and um, a City Stalker Connoisseur were just taking over and you couldn't play anything but them. And it seems like with Streets of New Capena, they added cards that um, they didn't nerf the black ones, but they just made other colors busted too. So, um, or not completely busted, but there were much more viable decks and much more interesting things going on. Uh, and I also had a lot of fun. It was great. I played in it multiple times. Uh, with varying degrees of success. So, uh, I was... Uh, <laughs> That's how they tend happy. to go. Yeah. But you don't need to do that well to make it worth it in these, which is why I like them with the relative... Why I say they're relatively high EV, because if you can manage to get a couple of wins, like you're already not that disappointed. Yeah. And even if you don't, even if you get one, like, it costs 2,000 gold to join... Mm-hmm. Which isn't very much. And then if you get one right. win, you get half of your entry fee back. So then you're like, you know, after a couple wins, you get that and more. And it's also gold, so it doesn't really feel that bad. So Yeah, these these are always great events. All right, so you said you played in it a few different times. Yes. Um, were, were you always playing the same deck? Did you, did you mix it up? Well, um, <laughs> yes and no. I... Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, what tell us about the deck you were playing first. Okay. So obviously I was in panic mode. I didn't have I mean, I guess I had time. You you can choose your de- you can spend as long as you want choosing your deck, but I felt like I was under the gun cuz I had come into this event with like it's like showing up to the tournament with your modern deck and it's a standard tournament and you're like, "Oh no, what am I going to do?" <laughs> That's kind of what I felt like with the digital version of that cuz I was like all ready to play some explore. Um so I just took my standard deck that I have been having some fun with, which is like an old school style of sacrifice deck. Not this like more modern version with an- Anvil and all that, which I like too, but uh, it's more of like a steal your stuff and sack them for value kind of deck. And I took that and I cut four cards and I replaced them with Sanguine Brushstroke and pretty much ran that. It worked fairly well. I think I got, I either got four or five wins because there were a lot of creature decks that I was lucky enough to play against and uh, it's very, very strong against creature decks because you like steal their best creature, sack it to exile their other best creature. It's pretty difficult for a, you know, like green white to come back from that kind of thing. And so that's what I played, Uh, did, like I said, I did decently. Didn't get all the way, but I did okay. And uh, I saw a whole bunch of different stuff, including uh, blue-white control, which I think might be an unwinnable matchup. <laughs> I'm just sitting there with like all these active treasons in my hand. <laughs> my opponent's like, all right, approach of the second sun. I'm like, huh, that's a problem. That's, that's a real problem. <laughs> seven life you gain? Oh, okay. Um, crap. So it felt a bit of a coin flippy deck where if you play against creature decks the whole time, you have a decent shot at, at running the whole seven. But if you ever play against like a control deck, you just are going to lose because yeah, wait, wait. How are too they... many of your cards are useless. Are they playing Key to the Archive? That's how they got yeah. the... Wow, that's really unlucky. In my mind, I was just like, oh yeah, of course they're just running Approach of the Second Sun. But that's just like unlucky for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't pressure fast enough, really, mm-hmm. to get un- under them. Um, and too many of my cards are bad. Like, I have the whole combo I talked about is stealing a creature and then sacking it to exile another creature are two dead cards in this matchup. Mm-hmm. So I can only... And I because I play iTwitch, I have, uh, like, a lesson sideboard. So I don't even have, like, duress in my sideboard. I don't, I don't even have a, a game two deck that I can turn to and be like, well, okay, I'll, I'll give up game one, but games two and three will be better. Nope, games two and three are still m- maybe a little better because you get to side out some stuff for just, like, Graveyard Trespasser comes in over your active treason. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not like you go, you approach anywhere near favored in the matchup, even mm. in games two and three. So. Rough. I didn't run into any Key to the Ar- Archive cards, or sorry, any decks playing Key to the Archive. Um, so that just seems extremely unlucky to uh, to not only play yeah, against I the Yeah, I thought deck, they but... wouldn't, I thought it would be unlikely, but yeah, it happened. But luckily it didn't happen really early. Yeah, that is good. Um, I So I asked to borrow your list because I did. I needed a deck because <laughs> I was playing Winota mm-hmm. and I hadn't really played... Um, no, no, sorry, that's Explorer. I'm getting confused. Um, we both get confused between <laughs> Alchemy and Explorer. I'm getting so confused. Uh, no, no, I still didn't have a deck. I think I, the last time I was playing was really the um, uh, Orzov Adventure deck. And it didn't really seem like that was something anymore. Um, so I asked to play your list, and I ended up going one and one as a quick out. Hey. I think it was mainly that I should have practiced a little bit more with it, and I wasn't uh, <laughs> prepared to like pilot it correctly. Um, but I ended up losing to the... Well, the first game I played was against like Prismari Draft Chaff, and I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I could beat so this. I was like, all right, I could beat this. Um, but then uh, the second game was against the Esper Knive deck. It's like a Esper mm-hmm. beatdown, and uh, that came out swinging and um, was r- really rough. And so then I went and net decked that deck, and then took that for the rest of the metagame challenges. <laughs> nice, yeah. So I did play against that once and was very impressed with it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like a, a total newcomer to the alchemy metagame, as far as I know. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. But it's basically. Um, Esper is already very good in standard, right? Like, Esper is one of the top standard decks, maybe the best mid-range deck in standard, in large part due to Rafine, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, just a few other things. And Alchemy has just added Diviner of Fates, um, which is the Cephalid Wizard. It's like a 2-3 for Esper. On ETB, it connives. And then the key thing is, whenever you discard... You get to seek a card that shares a card type with one of the discarded cards. So anytime you connive, you get the counter without actually costing you a card, um, which is really good because... And it's not even like you loot. You actually, if you discard a creature, you get a creature back. Um, yes. And this deck has a lot of creatures. So this card is is, is very strong. Um I didn't quite understand it when I read it the first time and then actually playing against it, I was like, oh, wow, this is a nightmare because yes, there's just like if I make you discard, which remember, that was all that was going on in Alchemy before. City Stalker Connoisseur or Undercity Plunder, which this deck gets to play. Both of them. (laughs) But it also 
insulates itself against that with discard too, which it already is. It's already a great card in the deck, and it also just kind of pseudo counters a lot of the best cards in the format. Um, so I was really I only got to play against it one time, and I I won mostly because my opponent drew pretty poorly. Um, mm-hmm. But I was impressed with the deck. It, it trounced me in one game, and I was just like, oh, man, that felt like my opponent was just playing much better cards than I was. <laughs> it, it's, it's rough. It's, um, <laughs> it's a very good. I think you explained it very well. Um, the other thing with uh, Diviner of Fates is that um, if you know what you're looking for, so the deck I was playing was running two Meat Hook Massacres. If this deck plays against you and they discard their meat hook massacre they just drew another meat hook massacre and you just know that because right so they're they kind of telling you oh by the way i have one because it's the only enchantment in their deck mm-hmm. and it's just so frustrating so that tended to be the card that people would focus the most on trying to kill um but when all your other cards are like either three three death touchers or i was playing the adventurer so it's like a two one first strike death touch that's just do you know getting bigger and then you have Rafine too it just it starts to snowball quite quickly um so it uh, definitely feels like you connive um a lot and that's why I call it connive um but another card that I want to hear your take on because I don't know if you saw it very much I was playing it and I don't know how I feel about it is the new card it's bind to secrecy it's the Demir's mm-hmm. instant uh, so it just costs a mirror, and it says choose one counter-target non-creature spell, or basically you conjure a duplicate of a creature in your opponent's uh, graveyard, and you put it in your hand, and you can pay any you know colored or sorry any colored mana to to play it, and then it has one this weird thing at the bottom that never matters that if you have five mana values of stuff, you get to draft a card from its spell book. But eventually, basically, it's like negate, but also you can draw one of their creatures in their graveyard. Um, I don't really like this card. <laughs> I played it. I crafted it. I played it a bunch. And for the most part, I would try to discard them whenever I could. And the worst part is with the Diviner of Fates, you discard it and then you draw another one. You're like, fuck. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I got got by this card, I think, because I just I just decided I was going to go for the Act of Treason play. And they're like, haha, negate. Mm. Um and I was like, oh, well, I didn't know that that card existed. So mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously did not do a good job playing around it. Um, but when I was thinking about it, I was just like, this card seems awful. Like this is, when I say my opponent drew poorly and I won, they had they must have had these in their hand. Mm-hmm. Because like I know they had at least one because they cast it on my, <laughs> my Voldaren, uh, or what's the one drop? I, I, I get mixed up between this deck or the... Uh, the other one I played. They cast it on my eye twitch. And uh, that's a pretty bad play mm-hmm. when you have no lessons in your sideboard. Uh, I mean, it's a bad play in general, but also if your deck has no lessons in the sideboard, you don't want an eye twitch. Yeah, you're just trying to loot, But I that's guess? how I knew their hand was bad. Mm-hmm. Well, they needed a chump blocker. Yeah. So they, they like got my eye twitch and then played it to block. And I was like, ouch, that sucks. Three mana um, eye twitch? That's like... <laughs> <laughs> that's like the downside of this card is it looked good when it was negate and it looked so bad there um i'm surprised to see all the lists running like three of these um i don't know i i wouldn't if i built this deck i wouldn't have crafted this card and i would have replaced it with something else because i'm tight on rare wild cards and i don't believe that this is in like 
in the final version of this deck, its final form, I don't think we're playing Bind to Secrecy main deck. Maybe in the sideboard as like a negate kind of card, but not in the main deck. I yeah, think. I didn't do that, and I crafted four because I was like, oh, they probably know, and I hate it, and I really wish I didn't. So <laughs> you out there listening, please do not craft this card, or maybe craft two for the sideboard, but I really, it's not really impressive and I like how are we jamming these before we move to four on Vanishing Verse or before we move to four on the Wandering Emperor? Like just the list I'm looking at now. I'm like, really? We we went to bind to secrecy over some of these cards? Yeah, I think honestly, I just needed something that would destroy creatures that weren't multiple colors. Or that sorry, that were. Um, because I, I right. needed something else besides Vanishing Verse that ended up being a problem uh multiple times. So yeah, just put in Right, like I don't know. more Skyclaves, more Wandering Emperors. Something that like that. Stuff. Um, but man, it, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's my takeaway from that deck. Because Wandering Emperor is another one, I guess, right? If you discard it, you you know you'll get another one. I mean, the one I was playing also had Soren, so you could get Soren instead. But right. there was there were a couple times where I just discarded Wandering Emperor to draw another Planeswalker and be like, sweet. I, you know, it's fine. Right. Yeah, and uh, were you playing this Herald of Vengeance? Yes. How's that? So when I had it, um, the best thing... So Herald of Vengeance is a five-mana white creature. It's an angel. It's a four-five with flying. But when it enters the battlefield, you get to destroy each permanent you don't control that has the same name as a permanent that dealt damage to you last turn. Um, mm -hmm. So this card seems really sweet because the idea is like, oh, they're going to attack me with a bunch of little things. Or um, if they use their anvils, it'll blow up the anvils. Um, so... <laughs> When uh, I read this card, I was like, oh no, my anvil decks. <laughs> um, I'm literally going to have to decide whether or not to use my anvils when this card is like a possibility. On your turn, or you wait till their turn at the end, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, which makes it hard, because then you can't make your one ones with the anvil. But that's kind of what the card is right. for. Um, either that, or I guess, I did run into mono white once, and it seemed like an okay card there. But um, for the most part... I just either didn't have time to play it or I was in a position where they weren't attacking me. So it just ended up being a four or five flyer or I just never played it and I ended up discarding it for a different creature. I think if there was more of an aggressive deck that had a lot of little one ones, but going into another deck that uh, we're going to talk about soon, um, it doesn't help against this new beast that we have. Um, because when that deck starts rolling, you don't have a turn to do anything right. after it. <laughs> like, it's already over. Yeah, I see some lists playing four Heralds, and I'm like, that has to be wrong. No, 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 five. No. It's like a sorcery speed five drop, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it was a one-of, and it could even be a sideboard one-of, if that. So I think it's more of a meta-dependent. that's where I'd have it. Yeah, I think it's a meta-dependent card. Um, if we get... It would be a nice attack if, you know, Winota was in the format, which I keep thinking Explorer, but a deck like that where you're trying to attack every turn um, with a bunch of stuff and then you just get to blow up half their board, that would be sweet, but no. So I think overall, though, I was pretty impressed with Esper. I think it's going to be pretty solid moving forward. I think the versions we're seeing right now are not their finalized versions. A few cards to trim, a few cards to add. Um... Mostly, I just want to see them play some more of the really good standard cards, uh, the tried and true, and cut some of these more questionable alchemy cards. 
Um, like, let's get four wandering emperors in there. Um, but I think it's going to be a definite, definite player moving forward. Yeah. I actually think that you should keep the two or maybe do less because the decks I was having problems with was actually the, the sacrifice deck, the anvil, and Wandering Emperor didn't do anything against all the brush strokes that were killing me. So I think I needed more things That's that true. would uh, kill artifacts or things like that or just or enchantments or anything that I would have like two Wandering Emperors and be like, so I can play this at instant speed and exile a 1-1. One, one. And I ended up getting in <laughs> situations where I had to use it to attack with my own creature and then exile my own creature to pad my life total so I wouldn't die to the anvils the next turn or things like that. And Ouch. those were the those are the plays I was making. It was really rough. Yeah. I ended up winning one of those games, but it was really, really dicey. Um, so Well, one thing about Esper though is it sort of has the tools to attack whatever the metagame mm-hmm. is. So if there's a lot of sacrifice and you trim on mm-hmm. Wandering Emperor. I guess which cards have to come in will depend on what's what's doing well at the time. Yeah, but with that being said, that sacrifice deck was the one that brought me down every time. When I was going for the 7-0, mm-hmm. uh, that was the deck that, that <laughs> beat me. So, um, Go sacrifice, woohoo! Yeah, I, I have a, there's a, something in me that's like, oh, I'm kind of so annoying. Oh, you drew your fourth brushstroke? Really? Really? After I killed <laughs> all the other stupid things? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because they don't attack with their blood artist. Why would they? <laughs> <laughs> so I can never kill it. Anyway, um, we should move on to the boogeyman, I guess. What people are, the deck that bans are being called for because it's magic players and new cards. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, we don't even get like any, you know, we don't even get hours to respond to a deck before bans are called out. Um, yeah, so if you've been following Alchemy at all, you know what we're going to talk about. If you haven't, you probably have no idea what words we're about to say. <laughs> but the, the current, I guess, de facto, quote-unquote, ban-worthy best deck in the format is Gruel Combo. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had to, like, look through one of these deck lists and puzzle this out. So let's see if I got it right. Okay. It's Grinning grinning Ignis, which is two in red for a 2-2. You can spend one red mana, bounce it back to your hand to add two and a red. So the idea is for all of your red mana, you can recast this thing as many times as you like. And you combine that with Racketeer Boss, which is a new card in New Capenna Alchemy, red and a green for a 3-2. When it ETBs, choose up to two target creatures or planeswalkers in your hand. They perpetually gain. When you cast the spell, create a treasure token. So basically, there's the extra mana you needed off Grinning Ignis. If you put that ability on Grinning Ignis, then Grinning Ignis is sort of a, a one-man combo engine here where he just you just cast the Ignis, pick it up, cast the Ignis, pick it up as many times as you want. And when you have something like that, it's pretty easy to win the game. If you get two Racketeer treasures on this thing, Racketeer boss, treasure things, then that's infinite mana. Uh, but... It seems like most people play this witty roast master, which pings your opponent every time a creature enters the battlefield. Uh, but once you have this sort of, the the two cards are the boss and the Ignis, and then you just need to find a way to kill off of infinite cast triggers, of yeah. which there are a few options. Yeah, the one of the cards, yes, the the um, 
witty roast master is one of the ones that just goes right away. But the one that's harder to deal with is the Cabaretti Revels, which is the enchantment uh, one in a gruel. And whenever you cast a creature spell, you seek a creature card with lesser mana value and put it onto the battlefield. So you just play every creature in your deck that's, you know, three mana or less. Um, or I guess less than three mana. So it, uh, <clears throat> it, it does, if they have two of those on the battlefield, even if they don't have the combo enabled and they just have just a regular Ignis in their hand, they tend to play a lot of things very quickly. And uh, it can, right. if you just don't kill them on a turn, you'll be like, okay, well, the board is empty. They have one card in hand, but they have two of those enchantments. And then when they pass the turn, it's like, oh, never mind. And then they're playing like the innkeeper. I've seen people play um, Dina's Soul Steeper. So whenever you gain life, you deal one to them. Um, so you can do it that way. If you don't have... Both of those are two drops, mm -hmm. so the Revels will get them. And yeah. And your combo is guaranteed to win. Yes. So... Um, that is quite nice. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff. Um, but with that being said, uh, and I, I see, I've seen a couple different versions. There's like, uh, Naya versions. Obviously this one had, uh, Dina, which I don't think they were playing black mana. They just were playing it off of treasures or the enchantment. Um, I saw a teamer version that was really bad, but, uh, in any case, <laughs> um, it's fairly disruptible, especially with the meta of discard cards in your hand which there's been many times where somebody like returned the, the racketeer from the graveyard to their hand, played the racketeer and didn't have mana to play the Ignis. But I'm like, well, you have one in your hand, so I'm going to make you discard <laughs> yeah. it. And they're like, nice. Right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. Yeah, really, you got me. I was going to win. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really seem to have a problem with it and I never lost a match to it. But it, when it goes off, it's really crazy and exciting. Um, and you can't hit the enchantment with Vanishing Verse, so that was difficult. But besides that, I mean, it it's really cool. I'm really happy that the combo deck's this weird gruel thing, so that's fun. It's a lot better than, yeah. than blue-red. Yeah, for sure. Um, I never played against this deck, but I saw it, you know, online, making waves, everyone's talking about it. And so I'm with you on it being cool. Maybe I could see it being the type of thing that if it's too good, um, then it's just like, that's super frustrating. Uh, you know, if it's the type of thing where you just feel like there's nothing you can do and you're just going to lose, uh, that's always a bummer. So this has the potential to be a deck like that. I don't think it is because it's still, like you said, just definitely so many ways to interact with it so if this becomes the best deck in the format it just feels like you can adapt to it kind of like with uh runes mm -hmm. where runes will pop back up every once in a while and smoke everyone because it's probably the most powerful deck it's just so easy to hate on that it's never going to be the best deck for very long i could see this being something very similar to that um yeah. Also, the current versions kind of go, like, all in on the combo from what I'm seeing. And I would build it a little more as just, like, a red-green creature deck that has the Oops, I Win button. Mm -hmm. um, like, Racketeer Boss is not that embarrassing of a two-drop in just in an aggro deck, right? It's a 3-2 no, that makes one of your other things, like, net you a mana, or two of your other things. Like, that's just a solid card. It's just and good. so I'd kind of build it a little more towards that. 
Um, whereas these, you know, people are having fun with the combo. So all the decks are like super all in combo decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like gruel comp creature combo is, is a cool deck to have around. And so as long as it's not too good, I'm happy to have this stick around. Yeah. I'm excited to see how they build more of it. Like you were saying, um, and I think, you know, having maybe a couple copies of the combo in your deck, but the rest of it is just beat down. Sounds awesome. Because um, Cabaretti Revels is still good, even if you're not abusing it. So, I mean, taking turn three off is a little rough, but um, no, I think it seems cool. Uh, yeah, let's see more versions of this. Um, no need to ban it. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. I mean, it's, it's alchemy, right? So they could nerf it. That's true. Yeah, that's right. They won't ban anything. They'll nerf one of the cards. Um, probably not Grinning Ignis, but one of the other cards. <laughs> I see people saying they have to add like once per turn to Racketeer Boss. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if that works. I don't know what the rules are for alchemy cards, but like in the traditional rules of the game, that doesn't work because Grinning Ignis like comes back to your hand. And then is a new... And then you would... Right. It, the game would forget that it, it was the one that did it last time. Mm-hmm. We can track stuff like that with digital only. It just depends exactly what they want to do because usually digital only effects are like obviously digital only. And this would kind of be an instance of, all right, well, with certain paper cards that that'll work differently and with certain digital only cards that works like this. Yeah. Uh, no, the all they have to do is if they want to nerf this card on Racketeer Boss, they say you create a treasure token that's tapped and then you're done. I think that's what they would do. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because it's so much easier, and there's, like, less text, and then you're like, it still does the thing, but not really on the same turn. Like, you can make a, you can do it at a finite amount of times, but still make enough mana for the next turn, but you're not going to go crazy. So, if anything yeah. gets nerfed, I'm assuming it's that card to that text would make sense to me. Anyway... Yep, but we'll see. I, I don't anticipate that happening. No, let's have fun for a while until it wins a Pro Tour, and then we'll be like, what? Actually, I don't think they're going to do Pro Tours in uh, Alchemy anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> we will have to see. Somebody, if you know a card that will abuse this even worse that's coming out in Baldur's Gate, tell us. Uh, find us online at Arena Regulars and tell us what that card is. But for the time being, eh, it seems fun. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, let let people do their thing. Yeah, I'll probably like, grinning Ignis is such a bad card. So it's like whenever the combo involves bad cards, I'm always a little hesitant to say it can possibly be too good. Like part of the problem with Splinter Twin was that the cards that combo with Splinter Twin are totally acceptable cards. Mm-hmm. Like they flash in. They you know there were a lot of games where you just won with Pestermite. Um, and so if they can get this green red deck to a place where it's a totally reasonable aggro deck that just also can just win the game if it's in a tough spot. Um, that's when you have to start asking yourself if the deck's too good. But right now it seems too disruptable, too all-in on like a singular game plan to really you know, have that be where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Besides that, those seem to be the main three decks uh, that were around. I saw some other old uh, outliers like Gruel Werewolves, and some Mono White Aggro. Uh, you said you saw Azoria's Control, but uh, is there anything else that seemed to be new or exciting, or, or can we kind of cover those ones? As far as, like, new, yeah. I think those are the new ones. Um, there's still a lot of, like, black mid-range decks, mm-hmm. you know? The, there's more than just the Esper one. The Esper is kind of the new one. 
but I still see people playing just Rakdos-based mid-range decks, you know, your Grixis, your Mardus, the stuff that was, like, the best in alchemy before. Um, that stuff's still around. People just have those decks, I guess. They're going to keep playing them. And, uh, you know, we talked about Sacrifice a little bit. I was hoping to see some Elves, because I know Elves got buffed uh, semi-recently. I was hoping that that was enough to, to make them playable, but I have seen nope. no Elves, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, so I think it's really just, you know, mid-range and then the combo deck that we talked about. And then, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Probably Werewolves is, is an aggro deck of choice or, or maybe Mono White. Yeah. So, yeah, with that, pick one of those or make your own. Um, I did have a lot of fun with the Esper list, so um, find one of those. But um, probably whatever you're playing right now, if it was uh, meta recently, still feels pretty strong. Or as long as there's black in it. <laughs> <laughs> then you're that's right which if you were playing before i'm sure it you was were playing black, black, so. so there you go yeah. um but yeah jeff uh are you ready for a beer break i sure am all right let's go this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on patreon that's right you're already supporting the show just by listening but if you want to support the show even more patreon's the best way to do that and when you become a patron you get an exclusive invite to our after party which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one you know and we talk about some other stuff plus you get to vote on your favorite co-host by well buying me a beer or buying me a beer so go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host Right, Zach, so you started this off with a big, heavy sour, you know, over 8%, so I'm sure you balanced that out with, what, just like a little Pilsner or something, maybe a maybe a typical pale ale, something like that? Well, it is a, it's a cream ale, it's an ice mm. cream ale, so um, it is called Peanut Butter Bits, it's an ice cream ale made with lactose, chocolate, peanut butter, and vanilla, and it's 8%. Because I didn't look at the percentages <laughs> when I bought these. You know, I'm really starting not to believe them about their old world style uh, <laughs> philosophy that they claim their beer follows. I, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, their tap room, like, so I went to their bar. It was like a beer bar. It was close to the restaurant we were going to, so I didn't actually see the brewery. But um, it was nice. They had, you know, one of those big chalkboards with all the different beers from a bunch of different breweries. And we just tasted a bunch of them. And uh, it was a good time. But, uh, but there were definitely lots of sours and lots of weird stuff, which is I'm always excited <laughs> for. So Yeah, it sounds like you fit right in. Let's, uh, let's drink some of this peanut butter ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Dude, speaking of traumatic pranks, I feel like this beer is a traumatic prank. Uh, it's a little bit. Anyway... Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Limited, uh, which was uh, with Arena Cards. So this will be kind of a little bit more loose because obviously it's a limited format that we've already talked about. And we added like 30 cards to the format. But ultimately, it's our first time being able to look at a limited format and see how they tried to change it slash make it more balanced. Um, whether that was their actual uh, design philosophy behind some of these cards, I'm I'm doubting that that's really what it was, of course, but um, it did seem interesting because we do have a, a limited format that seems fairly imbalanced. Brokers is very strong, while all the other colors seem to be um, not as strong. 
and we got to add some busted non-brokers cards to the draft formats, um, which is cool. So just a reminder, when this event was happening, um, you would draft just regular Streets of New Capena, but one of the common cards would be turned into a uh, alchemy card of any rarity. Uh, so of course the mythics are being shown less often than the rares and then the uncommons, of course. So you'd see a lot of these uncommons over and over again and all that stuff. But I personally, and I've already talked about this a little bit, I think it was, it did help. It did make the draft format much different um, and made other archetypes uh, more viable. And specifically the one you were talking about, which is traumatic prank is a <laughs> act of treason effect. And it's exactly what I think that the uh, black red sacrifice deck needed in the format was more active treasons because the one they had wasn't very good, also uncommon. And this one is uncommon, but uh, it's cheaper and better. So, yeah, so I really liked the design of this card um, the moment I saw it uh, because it, it actually feels like an act of treason where you can actually cast this. And okay, so there are two times you cast an act of treason. One, in limited. One, you're going to win the game right now from stealing that creature. Or two, you you have a sacrifice outlet. So you are going to steal the creature, get some sort of advantage, like get some damage in and then get some sort of advantage from your sacrifice outlet. This one feels like something I might actually cast in the mid game out of my aggro deck as a way of getting in some damage, but also then removing a blocker. And then also it's going to do a bit more damage than just the initial burst that most active treasons get you like this seems like a legitimately good card on its own in an aggressive strategy yeah so what he's talking about is that uh, traumatic prank is two and a red for a sorcery you get to gain control of target creature untap it against haste uh, sorry it perpetually gains haste and this creature can't block and at the beginning of your upkeep this creature deals one damage to you um so some of those things you know i as the magic player that i am read the first two lines and thought, I know what this does. I don't really care about the rest of that. Whatever. Um, yeah. Active treason, seen it before. Uh, something about can't block, something about deals one damage, whatever. It doesn't matter. No one's going to play this, in my mind. Uh, it turns out they did, and I did uh, not have a good time <laughs> playing against this card. <laughs> like, in an aggro deck, this is a supercharged removal spell. Mm -hmm. Like, this is... Because they don't care... Aggro decks generally don't care if you can still attack with your creature. They're, they play removal spells to get rid of blockers, mm -hmm. which this does. But it also does a bunch of damage. Like We're talking like destroy target creature, deal five, is, is sort of how this card reads, if you are poised to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, so this card's just very, very good in limited, in red aggro decks. And I like when they have cards like that, where it's like, it's not just an amazing card, it's good if you are the type of deck that, that can take advantage of this card. Yeah. And now I don't want to say that the, the format was completely warped by this, but it definitely opened up the black-red archetype to be a lot stronger. And I saw many more body dropper decks or, or decks that could sacrifice things and, and do that. So most of the time, I, usually by the time that they play this or either the this or the other act of treason, um, the rest of the text didn't super matter because I was kind of dead next turn anyway, but um, having access to more of that and more tools was uh, was really good for them. I'm, I was happy. I was like, yay, more decks that seem like they're actually good. 
I know people have been right. trying to it's say that Vacto Sacrifice was good before that, but no, I don't think so. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> this was the right place to put power because, like, red was so weak in the base set that it makes sense to come out with a good red uncommon mm-hmm. uh, in this expansion. Now, that being said, I know you played a fair amount of this. I actually didn't play any of this format, so I can only sort of comment on a theoretical level, but I do have a lot of thoughts about what they did here and good things and bad. Um, But you're sort of our resident expert here as as someone who played the format. uh, Yeah. Um, Yes, so... I played a good amount of it, and I don't know, you know, it's it's difficult because I don't know how many people were actually really into it uh, as, as I was. So um, the power level, or the I guess the skill level of players, um, what I don't know about that, as well as um, I myself included, you get drawn to the new cards you haven't played with before, and it can skew your picks a little bit. So you're like, oh, I will play this card that seems like it might not be that great, but like it's new and I don't know what it is. And I'm really taking it for my alchemy um, constructed collection. So you're doing that. But something that I did notice um, that ended up being really frustrating is that at Rare, they did decide that uh, (laughs) there are three new cards uh, and they're in Obscura colors. So there's a white one, a black one and a blue black one. And they're all like four mana or five mana for five flying creatures, which was like, it didn't matter the other parts of the text. It was just a four or five flyer that was really difficult to deal with because a lot of the removal didn't kill it. And it was like, what, what the fuck? And there were a couple of games where, you know, I had to figure out how to deal with one and then I had another one come down. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Flyers are already hard enough to deal with. Why are you making them four fives? Why is everything a four five? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. That's hilarious, though. I know. So you're talking about Herald of Vengeance, Graven Arc Fiend, and Syndicate Recruiter. Yes. Um, um, and it's worth noting, just to like quickly comment on the structure again, like we explained how it works, but you have to think about it a little bit. Like these rares will show up more than a typical rare, right? Because it's in a slot of like 30, whereas a typical rare is in a slot, one of more than 30. Mm -hmm. So like having these ones be sort of all three of them be in this thing, what you're talking like, I know the uncommons are slightly more likely than rares or whatever, but we're still talking pretty close to like one in 10, uh, that these, that one of those three will get open, like three out of 30. Um, we're pushing one in 10 on that. So there's just a lot of four or five flyers. Like, you know, you're pretty likely to have one or two at every draft table. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing is like replacing a common with at least an uncommon, but maybe a rare or mythic rare. Like every, every pack will have at least one upgraded common that really juices the power level of the format. Like, every pack just has an extra uncommon. Even if it were just that, that would be a huge bump. But the fact that it could also be a rare um, or mythic just really means we're talking about a, a higher-powered draft format. Yeah. It, it, it did harken back a little bit to Strixhaven, where you're getting some of these, like, mystical archive cards that are powerful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're, like, not as exciting. But um, it did seem to be some of these random things. Even back to, like... Um, 
what was it? Uh, Amonkhet remastered, where we had some just random cards that weren't even part of any part of that block. I was like, oh, yep. yeah, and then sometimes you get this other card, but... You know, doing draft formats where you have extra rares or all that stuff tends to... Remember that format had so many wraths in it. It's just like, it had like seven wraths or something. Yeah. And just like, okay, just always, your opponent probably has a wrath. Just don't play into it. Yeah. Or freaking Hornet Queen. That I guess maybe that's why they added more wraths. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, very interesting. Uh, but um, kind of through all of it, I mean... You, for the most part, you can look through the cards. A lot of them people have tried to play in Constructed, which is fun. I did have a good deck with a Rope Line Attendant, which it was just playing white-green, which is already strong. So then having Rope Line Attendant is like the um, Celestia 2-2, that when it enters the battlefield, each creature in your hand perpetually gains, when you it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1, um, which mm-hmm. was awesome, because then you're just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which had a lot of fun, especially the flavor of this card. I, I looked at it for a while trying to figure out exactly. So the rope line attendant is like the bouncer outside of the cabaret club who lets extra people into the party. That's why there's extra <laughs> tokens that come. Got in. it. It's controlling the, <laughs> the rope there. Yeah. So it's like each person has like a plus one kind of. And they're like, ah, you can have a plus one, but you can't or you can't or whatever. Um, I thought that was. <laughs> funny because you don't only letting in one one citizens yeah only one one citizens um but yeah i think like overall i thought this was a lot of fun um having like giant regrowth people being able to like you know draw i had the freaking uh cabaretti initiate if that creature dies and then you giant regrowth it and then you have like this double striking thing or any creature that had double strike to be fair um and uh, it gets perpetually plus three plus three i had decks just built around that card being like okay i've got a bunch of these and i have a bunch of just creatures that have keywords and i'm just buffing them as they die and you're just like (laughs) just like weird (laughs) things like that it was a lot of fun and like being able to draft with perpetual cards was a lot of fun um and it's always my favorite way to learn how to play the cards or what the cards do as opposed to just looking at a, just a box of text all the time. So I, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I hope they do more of this um, in the future, which they should, honestly. Like, just talking about draft in general, especially with the set, the way that it's been so... I don't know, you've, have you written off draft so far? Are you kind of over it? For this set, yeah, and that's a part of the reason I didn't play in this event. Like, I was a little skeptical how much would get changed. It sounds like you're saying more than you would think, which is which is good. Um, But I was like, oh, they're only adding thirty cards, whatever. How much is that actually going to change things? Um, But yeah, I'm a bit over the set because, like, I had a lot of fun with it at first, but then it's just so much of the same over and over again because of how like, poorly balanced things are. Um, yeah, sort of thought of it as, as core set limited where only five of the color pairs are viable. Mm-hmm. And even then, we're really talking, like, three because two of those color pairs you didn't want to be. Um, so when I started thinking about it that way, I was like, yeah, that explains why it's kind of the same two or three decks yeah. over and over and over again. Um, so I'm glad to hear that this mixed things up because I think most people were kind of off New Capenna limited. 
Yeah. And I don't know if it just comes from me who I'm just excited to try new things, but, um, yeah, I, I want them to do more of this. I think it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, you know, we're on arena and we have the ability to do these things where, you know, we don't have block sets anymore where they change the draft format and you have some of the old cards and some of the new cards or we don't have a lot of these things. So, and we do get this new alchemy set every time they should let us draft it every time it comes out because it's easier to get the cards, which is something people have complained about. And it can make the draft format different, which I mean, for better or for worse, a different draft format always seems interesting to me. So I am all for whatever they're gonna do. I know, I guess are we getting alchemy cards for Baldur's Gate? I actually don't know. We're just getting a bunch of, everything is gonna be different this summer. Everything's <laughs> yeah. gonna get weird because Alchemy is already changing standard, but now it's just going to change forever because it's going to have this new set of cards that has nothing to do with standard. <laughs> yeah, like when I said I had, you know, I didn't play it, but I have thoughts. I think I'm basically just going to echo what you said, that this is just a, a great idea that they had, and I don't see why you wouldn't do it every time. Like, like you said, acquiring alchemy cards is a big issue with the format. It's probably people's main complaints that it's just so hard to keep up with. You know, that along with um, them changing cards and, and then they get less valuable. Or like, you know, you can't use them in his, your historic decks anymore. But but that complaint is sort of solved by Explorer as well. Um, the biggest thing really now just is actually acquiring these things and they've done a couple things to mitigate that they actually put uncommons in it which Mm -hmm. normally it's like every card you would ever actually want is a rare which is no longer actually true and um that if you're gonna put more uncommons in it it makes sense to like inject these into draft and as long as you can design it like that's something they can do is make a, a set that's cool for constructed and changes the draft format. They absolutely should. Like, it's one of the reasons I didn't play Esper. You know, I was mentioning in the break. One of the reasons I didn't play Esper in the event is because it just required too many alchemy specific cards that I wasn't sure I wanted to use wild cards on. And if I had been able to like draft this set a bunch, maybe pick up some of the um, like diviner of fates more naturally pick up two two or three of those then sure maybe i'll build the esper deck and jump in and and play that too and i'm sure i'm not the only one that's like that so um plus i i tend to get bored of draft formats even good ones like maybe the best formats ever are the ones where i could just draft them through the entire length of the set but usually i can't draft the format the entire length of the set without having gotten bored of it. And so this sort of midway mix-up where it actually changes the format. Um, Now that, like, I'm probably going to try the next one now that I know that the feedback on this was that it actually changed the format. I mean, I do, okay, I do want to say one caveat (laughs) that, like, I do think it changed the format. Now, did it change the way I drafted? No. I still drafted exactly the same. I still took all the good (laughs) brokers cards, tried to stay in obscure brokers all the time. But the opponents I was playing against and some of the cards and things that were happening felt a lot different. And so that was um, refreshing. Now, um, I still think that uh, 
you know, they didn't power up the other ones enough that it was like completely flip-flopped, um, which would be kind of interesting. But And a rebalanced format would be very interesting as well, where it's phantom and they just change the numbers on stuff and make uh, like red better. That could be cool. Um, but it would also be really hard to draft because I would be confused <laughs> because I would think that certain cards were... Oh, wait, Inspiring Overseer doesn't have flying anymore? Wait, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that, I think that would be a bit much. Um, I think this is a totally reasonable, at least first step towards, like, rebalancing mm -hmm. formats. And it's very much in the spirit of Alchemy, too, where they can wait for the format to evolve a bit, and then maybe some of these uncommons are, like, the last thing they put into the file, um, where they're like, oh, you know, red sucks, let's give them a, a good removal spell at uncommon in the new set it like lets them do that tweaking when you know it, it would be so hard to design a set and know exactly how the draft format will play out yeah. so um, it gives them a knob to turn on you know improving the format so as long as you you know are willing to play with digital only cards which i know is a hang-up for some people that will just never play with digital only cards but i don't know give it a give it a shot they're they're not as egregious as some people seem to to contend yeah i also think that this if you are on you know i don't know why they didn't do this before because obviously this is probably the biggest hang up like you were saying is there are a lot of folks that have written off uh, arena altogether just because of digital only cards, or at least they said they wrote off arena because of right. digital only cards <laughs> yeah um again like we've said multiple times when you start playing with them it doesn't feel that weird especially when you're in the client um, and being able to draft them and play them this way seems like I think it would help people get on board a little bit more because you don't have to invest much of anything because you can just take only the, the non-alchemy cards if you want, you know. Or even if you do take them and play them, what what did it cost you to, to do that? You're still just drafting like you normally would. Maybe you've got a, like a full play set of all the other cards. So then you're like, sweet, there's some other ones I can collect. It's... Um, Totally. Yeah, it seems it seems like a, a fairly easy event they can put up for, you know, a couple weeks. And uh, it would be something I would look forward to every time. So, um, nice. Uh, you know, you got to give out props when you can, because sometimes you get annoyed and things are frustrating. But, hey, good job, Wizards. We draft alchemy cards and you banned expressive iteration. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, everything's looking good. Everything's looking good. And just a comment on some of the, like, just as I was thinking about it, as we looked through these cards, just to comment on the whole digital only cards thing, I think what some people should try to like keep in mind or put into perspective is that the way a lot of magic cards work is weird. And the reason it's weird is just because of like the fact that the game, the game doesn't want to just trust its players like to play it properly essentially like that's why it makes you reveal a sorcery when you claim you went to get a sorcery out of your deck it's not going to use the honor system so it's not going to be like oh go get a sorcery and then you don't have to show it to your opponent because your opponent would say well hey how do i know you got a sorcery and so a lot of the way cards work in paper magic is really just centered around this one fact that there's no way for the game to track cards mm-hmm and so digital-only cards, a lot of the time, at least the ones they're doing now before they go a little crazy, or the ones they started with, really just work the way that they should work 
if we didn't have to deal with like potentially people cheating and like, you know, how can we monitor this and like, how do we track it? It's like the, it's, they're actually representing like the spirit of the card, the spirit of the design. They just don't have, they get, they're allowed to ignore these annoying technicalities about making sure people aren't cheating. And so, you know, a lot of people refer to them as not real magic cards. A lot of the time they like feel more like real magic cards to me because they're capturing the spirit or the essence of the design without having to worry about just tracking issues. Yeah, like, no, yeah, I, I, I super agree with that. And some things that you just, like, want to be able to do, um, like uh, wishing, basically. So um, spell books are kind of like wishing for a random card from a certain group of cards. Um, you just don't have to put a slot anywhere for them. Um, and they work like that, um, which is just fun. Uh, the, the reason that I think that the, uh, the Gruel combo deck is so interesting is because it's the only type of combo that would work in digital. I mean, sorry, it's the, the combo would only work in digital. It couldn't work in paper. Um, right. Even though it wouldn't but, be that difficult to do it. But anyway, um, but yeah. It's but just, like, think about that, right? Like, oh, Grinning Ignis went back to your hand. Now I have no way of knowing if the Grinning Ignis you play is the same one or a different one. Well, it's like, well, obviously I'm playing the one that has this rider. That, like, this is ju just a silly tracking thing in paper that, like, really the spirit of the card is that obviously this one still has that ability. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't do it in paper because in other situations it would get weird, right? Um, and so, like... You know, maybe they would. They have gotten pretty creative, right, about doing stuff like that. But still, it's, it's like the gritting Ignis combo is sort of whether you agree that that combo should exist or not is diff a different story. But it, the templating in digital only is just how that combo should work. Yeah. If they were to make that combo exist in paper, there would be all these extra steps they'd have to go through. Because the Ignis is going back to your hand, becoming a new game object every time because you can't track it. Because you don't, you don't get to see your opponent's hand. It, like, that, and that's kind of silly. <laughs> so they've developed all these rules and, and counters and ways to get around tracking stuff. Um, but really, I mean, it should just work the obvious way that it should work, which is how it works online. Yeah. Or even Traumatic Prank. They would never print that because it involves adding two lines of text to a creature, which is just a lot to track in paper. Like, it's not even something they couldn't print. It's just like, you're going to have to now remember that that card, which doesn't say these things, is supposed to say those things. Um, yeah, I mean... And, you know, if you have a bunch of creatures, one of the bunch of them die, like, which one was the one that got Traumatic Pranked and... Like, um, this Arming Gala, which is like the, the five mana Celestine enchantment that at the beginning of your end step, creatures you control, creature cards in your hand, library, and graveyard perpetually get plus one plus one, which is obviously something you can't do in paper. Um, but also just like super weird and crazy. And, um, it like, I don't know, convokes something. It's like this, um, uh, pass the torch, this, this red instant for <laughs> it's this card i swear just is for just for fun just for the laws it feels like because it's <laughs> yeah it's one in red it says pass the torch deals two damage to any target 
Then you choose a creature card in your hand. It perpetually gains. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may cast target card named Pass the Torch from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If you do, this creature loses this ability. So you just have all your creatures shoot something and then throw it to somebody else and they shoot something and then you throw it to somebody else and you keep doing that. And that's hilarious design. I feel like somebody just had the flavor idea for this card and was like, yeah, we got to make it. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem extremely good, but it seems fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's definitely not that good. Yeah. (laughs) And like, that's what I want to, you know, approach most things from, wow, look at all the fun things you can do that we wouldn't have been able to do. Um, it's the same with obviously any new mechanic we get. And I don't know, this is turning into another preach fest of us talking about things that we just may be happy about stuff that you could be happy about. What's, uh, what's wrong with that? Um, yeah, I mean, well, you can't talk about alchemy without talking about digital only cards. It's so. true. Cause that's really the big thing. I mean, and now it's, that's really going to be the big thing cause it's going to be nothing like standard. So I guess it'll still rotate or maybe it won't be, I don't really understand. Um, but cause uh, I mentioned this earlier, but the next set we're getting for, for arena is like alchemy and historic only. So it's all the Baldur's Gate commander cards. So, um, we're going to be playing some commander cards and, uh, you know, we'll just see this summer's crazy summer. We're going to see what, what happens, but I'll start out in explorer and we'll see where, what happens from there. Perfect. I'm going to be drafting. So then we'll meet in the middle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, but overall, I think I think this was a, a really successful experiment um, from what I'm reading. Like, I think people did like this, at least to some extent. And I don't see any reason not to do it. Like, the only thing I can see is, oh, well, maybe they're concerned of splitting the, the limited players. Like, wh- my, my question is, why can't you just offer both the original limited format and this one once Alchemy drops? Um, sort of like how you have both standard and alchemy, mm-hmm. right? Um, I guess they might be concerned about splitting the limited community. They they have the numbers on that, so they'll be able to to figure out if if that would do that. But other than that, I can't think of a reason not to just always have this be a thing where the new alchemy cards come out and we get to draft with them. Yeah, seems like a lot of fun to me. Um, I'm on board. I'll be there. I'll be queuing up. So please do it again. Uh, as always, collecting your cards through drafting is the best way to do it. So give me more ways to collect cards through drafting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and more cards to collect. Yeah. All right. Do we, we sufficiently talked about, uh, alchemy, I think. And through all this, yeah. I think, you know, alchemy feels better. We were, we were pretty down on it for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't necessarily fix the things that we were worried about, but they just added more stuff, like I kind of alluded to before, and it feels fun again. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'll probably keep playing this uh, Esper list, so um, I'll just get beat up on by uh, stupid Rakdos decks. But <laughs> Woohoo! Go Rakdos! <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jeff, I think it's time for Last Call. So, yeah, it's time to rate these beers. Pick which one was our favorite but first, yeah. of course, we have to talk about our rating system. So here on the Arena Regulars, we rate beers on the scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. Look at that. But, of course, this has nothing to do with whichever tier you are in currently. 
Um, it's just a fun way to rate beers. We're not trying to put anyone down. With that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. We hate them. We pour them down the drain and we cannot finish them. Yeah. Silver beers are basically just uninteresting. Macro brews tend to fall into this category. Gold beers are fine, but you kind of forget about them and you know, they're there. Platinum beers are, are good. They're solid. You would, you'd drink this again. Diamond beers are exceptional. They are some of your favorites. You tell people to go to these uh, places. Um, you recommend them. They're the beers you bring to parties. And then Mythic are the best of the best. Um, these are the beers you'd recommend to anyone. You'd drive a little bit out of your way to get them. Um, you might not bring them to parties because they're too good for them. Mm-hmm. They, they're, for, they're for at home. Yeah, they're for at home and very close friends. Jeff, do you have a choice for this evening? I do. I think you have a very clear choice. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was not a difficult decision. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Here we go. Three. Oh, sorry. Do you have your beer? Yes. Three, two, one. Tarte de queso. queso. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah. Let us talk about the beer we have both picked. The cheesecake, the raspberry cheesecake dessert uh berliner vice jeff i want to hear your thoughts uh okay i was pleasantly surprised with this one it first of all it does taste like cheesecake to me like i took a when i poured it and i smelled it i was like that smells like cheesecake and when i drank it i also felt like i was getting cheesecake it's always hard with these types of things because you're told the answer it's not like I tried this and then it's like, what does it taste? Is that cheesecake? Um, mm-hmm. you know, the can told me I'm supposed to taste cheesecake. So I always wonder with stuff like this if I would have noticed without the, the hint from the brewery of what it's supposed to taste like. But nevertheless, you know, at least I do taste the cheesecake. It's not like when someone tells you there's something in it and then you don't eat. I'm not, I'm not getting that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. Also... It was just, like, pretty pretty tasty. It was well-balanced, I would say. Like, it's definitely a dessert beer. It tastes like cheesecake. It has lactose in it, which you notice. Um, vanilla, sure. Uh, I guess I kind of got that. Raspberries, yeah, I mean, the thing's pink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, like, refreshing. It was Some of these dessert beers get really, really heavy. And you, like, take a sip and you're like, whoa, that's good. But it's, like, it's, uh, syrupy is not quite the right word, but, like, it's, it's rich. Rich, viscous, very rich. yeah. This, I didn't find that. This was a little closer to the the Berliner Weiss side of things where it's it's kind of airy and refreshing. But just tastes like cheesecake. Yeah. And cheesecake's my favorite dessert, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, look yeah. at, there you go. Um, <laughs> I agree. Um <clears throat> I really enjoyed this when I had it at the brewery. That's, of course, why I got it. And um, if anything, this ta- this time it tasted almost too sour. I remember it being much more cheesecake-y. Um, but I still think it comes through. And I, you know, don't get a lot of that flavors in there. Um, but I like it quite a bit. It's, it is refreshing uh, and, and good. So what are you going to give it? I'm just going to give it diamond, I think. Ooh, okay. I was kind of on the border between uh, platinum and diamond, and I was like, you know what? It it impressed me. It came in as a Berliner Weiss with cheesecake and raspberries and lactose, and I was like, wow, that's gonna suck. 
and then uh, it didn't suck, so I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna bump it up for, for being a surprise. All right, all right, I'll jump on that. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on the diamond. I'm definitely recommending this to people if they're in, in the Idaho area, going to Barbarian mm-hmm. or around there. I say, hey, pick up some of the stuff because uh, it's lots of fun. Um, perfect, all right, diamond, nice. Peanut butter ice cream ale. I am so excited to hear what you're thinking, but I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, I have a weird relationship with peanut butter beers, as you've heard from the show. Um, we have done one other peanut butter beer, uh, which ended up being pretty good. It was like this... Uh, anyway, it's not this beer. Let's talk about this beer. Um, this one's quite light for something. Usually when you're thinking peanut butter, you're thinking something more viscous, something thick. Um, usually like there's stout, stout usually. stuff like that. And yeah. this one, this cream ale is like light and it does have a nice um, peanut butter flavor to it. Now, do I want peanut butter in my beer? That's always the question. It's so hard. And I still think I'm on the fence with that one. Um, but I do think this one's fun uh, and another reason why I brought it. But um, but yeah, I still think that maybe, you know, it promised some chocolate and I don't really get that. I kind of just get peanut butter. I think the choice of, of doing a cream ale was really interesting, and I think it, it worked nicely with that. Though, um, in the end, uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just, with these, they're throwing me so off because they're so <laughs> far away from what beer really is or should be. Um, so it's very difficult to, uh, to, to think about. Jeff, what did you think about this beer? I don't like it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you're saying you don't know whether you want peanut butter in your beer or not. Like, I don't want peanut butter in this. It tastes like a totally reasonable cream ale, and then just, like, peanut butter, <laughs> like, all over it. You're like, why is that there? That shouldn't be there. And uh, it's, it's yeah, a bit of a slog. My only issue with this is that it doesn't fit into our rating system at all, because... I don't think it's fine. I, I don't, this isn't like, oh, it's pretty good, but I won't get it again. It's like, I don't like it. I don't want it. Um, but it's not silver because it's not uninteresting. <laughs> it's, it's not like nothing going on. It's a lot going on. And it's not bronze because I'm going to, you know, it's not bronze. Uh, so I don't know where, where it's going to end up. But uh, it's, not, it's not my favorite beer <laughs> that I've ever had. I can see that, like, I, I bet there are people that like this. Um, it's just not what I want. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so fun going and drinking these beers in a, in a sampler after drinking a bunch of other beers because they seemed very exciting there and kind of on the same platform. But as I'm drinking them now, um, I do see what they went with. Um, I think I agree. This isn't my favorite. Um, I still going to give it gold, um, because it is, yeah, because that's our rating system. We don't really have like a, I don't like it, but it's, I'll drink it because it's beer. Um, maybe we should add that. I don't know. But I think that was sort of the intent of Silver. We just assumed that anything that fell into that category would be like boring. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think you if you give it Silver, that would still make sense. Because there's other beers that yeah. I put in Silver that I just didn't like. That I was like, usually it's because nothing was going on. But I was like, no, I just, I don't like this. I'm mad at this. I'm mad that they made this. This is just definitely not for me. Like every single time I take a sip, my brain is like, is there something wrong with the beer? (laughs) Is it go bad or something? Like why, why is there this weird peanut butter taste like clouding everything? Um, Cause the very first sip, like if you try it, it just sort of, 
tricks you into thinking it's a cream ale and then pulls a fast one on you with the peanut butter. Like every time yeah. my brain's like, what's that peanut butter? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> not getting used to it. So I'm going to just give this one silver. Um, it's not for me. Yeah. I, I get it. I get that. Anyway, Barbarian Brewing Company. They have some other crazy stuff going on over there. Check them out if you're in the Idaho area to see if you think that this is uh, worth drinking or not. Um, anyway, Jeff, let's go to closing time. Let's do it. You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter, Instagram, and at our Discord server, Arena Regulars. Come check us out. Come uh, hang out. Talk to us about your favorite decks, your favorite lists, your uh, favorite beers, or I don't know, whatever you want to talk about. Just just come hang out. Yeah, you might find us posting uh, our own deck list there from some of the sweet, sweet games we played on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. You can find me personally on Arena and Twitter and Instagram at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? I am on Twitter. I have Blues Brews MTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. But best place to find me is at our Discord. So <laughs> go there. Because <laughs> we check that often. Um, also, please leave us a review on our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But do we even have a review? No, no, we channel? don't have a review. That would be really weird. Um, but no, you can leave <laughs> us a review. weird channel to add. We should get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, let's take it off. Uh, go check out if we actually did that. But um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. You can follow us on Spotify. Uh, review us there. Um, go to our YouTube channel and leave a comment about how we talk too much about our Discord uh, in this last segment. Um, but anyway, we just would love to hear feedback. And we do just want to talk to everyone. So, um, hey. Uh, send us your favorite deck list and tell me why um, whatever I'm playing is terrible because it probably is <laughs> <laughs> this has been the arena regulars reminding you that alchemy doesn't suck as much as you think it does good night <laughs> alright that's fine